When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F in Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Happy Sunday afternoon, Mr. Ainsworth. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Shaka. How are you doing? Life is good. I have no complaints. We just spent an hour talking before we even hit record on this podcast, so you know we fired up. Um, Mr. Ainsworth, how about we start with our Black History Month honorees. Mr. Ainsworth, who would you like to shout out during the final <laughs> Sunday of Black History Month? Well, I think it's worth pointing out as two history teachers that have this episode come out on a Monday that is March 1st. We know that March is not Black History Month, <laughs> but we're recording on Sunday, February 28th. And so I think it's important to end the month the right way. Uh, as I look at my list of people, I'm going to wrap up the month by talking about Bob Johnson. He is the first black majority club owner of an American integrated sports league. Uh, he purchased the 2002 Charlotte Bobcat expansion franchise. Um, <laughs> as I was alerted to, the Bobcats are intentionally named by... Bob Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's my research. (laughs) Um, I think that he's more famously sold the team in 2010 to Michael Jordan. You know, Jordan being from North Carolina made a lot of sense. But Bob Johnson brought basketball back to Charlotte after the Charlotte Hornets had moved to New Orleans. They were the New Orleans Hornets for a while, so he went with the Charlotte Bobcats. He has lots of other money-making ventures like BET and things like that. Like This is not certainly the biggest part of his purse, but it's an important one because we talk a lot about on this show, especially like when 
coaching issues come up or general manager issues come up and we see an inequity there. This is the first major club owner in an integrated sport. And so I think it's worth pointing out that that was fairly recently as far as talking about history. <laughs> um, so shout out to Bob Johnson and shout out to making money, I guess. No, absolutely. It's funny because Mr. Ainsworth told me he was going to shout out Bob Johnson. And like in my mind, I thought it was Bob Smith. And it's like, oh, different black billionaire Bob. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um, I am going to, for Black History Month, shout out a triumvirate of black women who are currently coaching. So let's start with Bianca Smith, who we actually gave a gold star to in a previous episode. So shout out to Bianca Smith. She is the first black woman to be a major league baseball coach. She's attended Dartmouth University, has her MBA and her Juris Doctorate from Case Western. So very smart, but also kind of always knew what she wanted. She thought about going into the front office potentially for Major League Baseball because she just didn't have a model of black women coaching in baseball. And now she is the model for a lot of girls who look at baseball and say, hey, maybe one day I want to do that. So shout out to uh, Bianca Smith. So Mr. Ainsworth, when we talk women who potentially could be NBA coaches, I do think that intuitively we look at the San Antonio Spurs bench. I want to shout out Dawn Staley because if you ask me, a woman who's capable of going into the NBA and coaching. Don Staley is as capable as anyone, right? Don Staley is currently the head women's basketball coach at the University of South Carolina, which was not a women's basketball power until she got there and made them one, right? Um, and her playing career is nuts because she's got three gold medals. She's um, on the top 15 list when the WNBA did their 15 best players ever. She's on that list. She's always been an incredible basketball talent on the court. And then as a coach, she uh, led Temple University, which again, not a big women's basketball power, led them to a level of success that allowed her to get the South Carolina job. And I loved how she honored the late coach, John Chaney, by wearing the suit with the towel on her shoulder. (laughs) Um, So shout out to uh, Dawn Staley, who frankly could be on that list of women who maybe could be an NBA coach. Last but not least, shout out to Jennifer King. Now, the Washington football team gets a lot of things wrong, just historically. That being said, here's something (laughs) that Ron Rivera got right. He hired Jennifer King. Jennifer King was an intern on the Washington football team staff. As of January, she is now the first full-time black female coach. She's the assistant running backs coach for the Washington football team. She has been around the game for... A long time. And the opportunities that women are now getting in the sport of football, it's starting to become something I think that other uh, young women and girls can look at and think that there's a possibility. But uh, Jennifer King is a trailblazer in that avenue because she's one of the first women to get involved and now the first black woman to be a full-time assistant coach. So shout out to her. So shout out the triumvirate of women who are making history. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth and I are history teachers, so we know that women are always at the forefront of history. Just sometimes his story gets told versus her story being told. So shout out to uh, those women. Mr. Ainsworth, we have an awesome podcast. We always have an awesome podcast. We're going to be talking about Deshaun Watson versus Russell Wilson in terms of who you'd rather have. We're going to talk about James Harden. And is he a top MVP candidate again? We're going to talk about LeBron (laughs) James and Zlatan Ibrahimovic and their global level beef 
around uh, Shut Up and Dribble. Without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Cummings, our first thesis this week looks at a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL, a couple of very coveted quarterbacks in the NFL, to say the least, and both <laughs> of whom may be on the move in the coming hours, days, or weeks leading up to the NFL draft. We're looking at Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. The thesis reads, Russell Wilson is a more attractive trade option than Deshaun Watson. So if I look at that, I'm going to say A-, minus, which might bring a tear to your eye as a Houston football fan. Uh, how do you grade that one, Mr. Ainsworth? So I'm going to go a little lower at B-. minus. Um, I, I think it depends on a couple different aspects. I'm going to sit at a B-, minus. so I'll see why you're so high on not my man Deshaun. No, that's crazy because I'm almost at an A. You're almost at a C. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Cummings. Now, apparently you're really high on Sierra music or something. I don't know what your deal is and what, how Listen, you're so- I love 5'11 quarterbacks. That's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> but you're really high on Russ compared to Deshaun, especially if you're looking to get a new quarterback for your franchise. The Jets kind of are one of those teams looking for a new quarterback. Uh, yeah, they are. Franchise. Um, and I'm not so sure the Giants are the forever home for Danny Dimes either. But I want to ask, <laughs> why are you so much higher on Russell Wilson here? Um, let me just say that if the Jets got Deshaun Watson, I would be ecstatic. So I don't want this to come off as I'm anti-Deshaun. I'm comparing these two quarterbacks, and there's a couple of things that stand out right away. Number one, one of these guys won a Super Bowl, and the other one hasn't. And we always talk about this whole idea of quarterback wins. That's not a stat, right? And I, and I get that. I, I agree with that. But there is something to be said for a quarterback who leads his team to Super Bowl victory and one who hasn't done it yet. That's not to say Deshaun can't. <laughs> That's just he hasn't done it yet. Russ has already done it. So I think about that. That's the first thing. The second thing that I think about is the fact that quarterbacks can play for a really long time. So when someone points out to me that, hey, Shaka, you know that Deshaun Watson's only 25 years old? I'm like, yes, I know that. And I know that Russell is already... 32 years old. And if I can get five years out of Russell, I feel I don't feel like I got cheated, right? So if I'm trading for Russell Wilson and I could get him to play until he's 37, by the way, Aaron Rodgers is 37. So it's not crazy that he could still play at the incredibly high level that he's played at for another five years. And I'm not even talking about the Tom Brady outlier of being in your 40s. And winning a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not even asking that of Russell Wilson. The final piece for me is, as I look at the contract situations, Deshaun Watson, and it's an attractive contract, so I'm not trying to say, like, this is a bad deal. He's still actually on his rookie deal. His extension doesn't kick in until the season after this one that's coming. And so when that extension kicks in, right, you, you're essentially saying, we got five years of paying Deshaun Watson the money that we're paying him. This year, the, the, the money isn't too crazy because he's got a $10.5 million base salary, uh, a little over $5 million signing bonus. Next year, though, the salary base salary jumps to $35 million with a $5 million signing bonus. So now you got a $40 million cap hit. And you start looking at the subsequent years where there's a $17 million roster bonus in 2023. Russ's contract is actually a little more palpable because he's already in the middle of his extension. So next year, 
Russ is going to be a $32 million quarterback, $19 million base salary, $13 million signing bonus. And I understand that teams aren't just going to be willing to give up $32 million like easily. That being said, you basically got those kind of numbers for the next three years, which means that if it's not working with Russ, it's easier to get away from him than it would actually be to get away from Deshaun Watson if it wasn't working based on the dead cap money and the hits you may have to take with that dead cap money in subsequent years. Who are you and what are you trying to do, right? Are you a team trying to win like in the immediate here and now? There's some aspect of like a locker room leader that Russ is and those kinds of things and having done it before and carrying weight with that. If you're a team that just wants to be very, very good over the next you know 10 or 15 years and you don't know when that Super Bowl window is yet, like if you're a younger team that's like looking to have a Super Bowl window in the near future, but it's not what you're currently sitting in. Uh, I like think the New York a, Jets? <laughs> I think the no-brain answer is Deshaun. And, and, and I think that's why I'm closer to a C. I just I know that some of the teams we're looking at here, especially after Russell Wilson named a list of teams that if he were not in Seattle, he'd like to be with. You know, I, I think those teams are teams looking more currently for a Super Bowl. Like, you know, you pull up the list it's the dallas cowboys talk about my texas homerisms the <laughs> dallas cowboys are on russell's list and with their current offense and frankly i'm not so sure mccarthy gets to last forever after a very disappointing first year and you bring out the super bowl ring that russ has i think it's worth pointing out that he got that in his age 25 season and deshaun watson just finished up his age 25 season individual stats and we don't pull in their winning and win loss record aside you know into it Deshaun Watson's age 25 season is better by every category now he didn't have Marshawn Lynch to run hand it off to which is probably why they didn't win many games but <laughs> he also didn't have the Legion of Boom right so that's fair yeah ball, absolutely right? well when you have the Legion of Boom you probably are running it more right because you're absolutely up more and so on, right? um but Deshaun Watson's coming off a season and I say this mostly to reemphasize because they went four and 12 and it's kind of overlooked I feel like he threw for 4,800 yards. <laughs> Led the league in passing yards. 70% completions, a 33-7 to 7 touchdown interception ratio. Like, this guy played his best football this year. He's a three-time pro bowler. And as the Texans were so bad that he plays his best football individually. He's throwing to go. you and me, by the way. Like his <laughs> right. wide receiving core, they let the dude go. He's throwing to just some Jimmys and Joes. Well, man. and they let the dude go in Hopkins. <laughs> they had Fuller suspended for his uh, steroid or, or substance abuse, or whatever it was. And I'm not I'm, maybe I'm insinuating too much by assuming steroid. <laughs> well, it is performance enhancing drugs, right? It was performance and, and his and his hamstring was performing better than it ever had before. So I'm thinking <laughs> there's something there. Um, I think that it's all the the draft the draft pick. I guess they got for Hopkins is one thing. The running back they've got for Hopkins barely played was in and out of the lineup with his own health issues. And so I'm looking at this like, man, if Watson can do that with that hunk of garbage in Houston, what could he do with maybe I don't have everyone's garbage, right? Why are you going to so, call them a hunk of garbage? Oh, my God. These are professionals, man. You better hope J.J. Watt will come find you. Well, J.J. Watt's currently training in Wisconsin. And it's worth pointing out, J.J. Watt is also no longer a Houston Texan. <laughs> um, so I, I guess my thing there is I look at, like, I think that in their long projection future that I would side with Deshaun. Pat Mahomes is the sixth player in the NFL's history to have a 10-year or more contract, and he would be the first to finish his team on that contract. Right, Donovan McNabb did not finish in Philly at the end of that 12-year contract. 
Michael Vick, a little bit different situation, but did not finish his career in Atlanta <laughs> on that contract, right? And so it's worth pointing out that wherever Deshaun Watson ends up next, he may not be for 10 or 15 years. And so, you know, if you're trying to win in the here and now, you may want Russell. If you get Watson now, you may not get him for the entirety of his whatever's left of his career. So I think that's what pulls me up to a B minus because if I'm looking at just the two players, I really don't know how it's not that Russell's not a great quarterback or a pro bowler. He is both things. No, absolutely. I just have I just have that much respect for what Deshaun Watson just did on the field last season. No, absolutely. And that's what I want folks to understand is that this is not a dog Russell Wilson podcast this is not a dog deshaun watson podcast them both are dogs we love them on our teams in fact one of us had them on our team that we root for and the stupid team done messed up and now deshaun watson's on the trading block right i would just um, like to go back as we sit here at the end of february it was 13 months ago almost to the day that they were up 24 to nothing on the kansas city chiefs 13 months we have talked about we've talked about what it was like what 14 months ago in the city of Houston as opposed to what it is like now. Um, that, that doesn't even include the snowstorm that basically destroyed Texas. Um, so uh, one of the things that I do take issue with is comparing Deshaun Watson's 25 season, his, his age being 25, to Russell Wilson's in the sense that Russell Wilson at 25 years old, he was in his second year in the league. So it feels more fair to compare their second years in the league to each other. That being said, Deshaun Watson's second year in the league. This is this isn't gonna work out for Shocker. <laughs> he threw for forty one hundred yards, twenty six <laughs> touchdowns, only nine interceptions. Now, Russell Wilson, it's not like he was a slouch. He threw for thirty three hundred yards, twenty six right, touchdowns, completely. nine interceptions as well. The difference is Russ ends that season with a Super Bowl championship. Deshaun, they were in the playoffs. They won their division. No Super lost Bowl the, though, right? So that's yeah, they lost the first weekend. The 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 notion that you put out there about the where's where is your team? Like you're right, it probably does make more sense for the New York Jets, the team that I root for, to look at Deshaun Watson because they don't know when their window is. Versus the Dallas Cowboys, a team that you root for, Russell Wilson probably makes more sense there because they kind of know who they are, they know how he's going to fit in, and maybe they're more inclined to say this three year deal make some sense to us versus trying to get Deshaun locked up for the extension and then trying to figure out when that next extension is coming and these sorts of pieces as well, right? So now let me ask you this, Mr. Ainsworth, because this is where I kind of want to take this conversation, at least for a little bit. What's the scenario that to you makes the most sense? So we look at teams like Chicago. We look at Philly. We look at the Jets. We There's lots of teams that could use a quarterback, even Jacksonville. If you had to pick teams and say Russ needs to be here, Deshaun needs to be here, and the understanding is you can't pick Seattle for Russ, you can't pick Houston for Deshaun, because I know you were going to say Houston for Deshaun. Um, <laughs> where, where would you put them? Russell mentioned Chicago, Dallas, Vegas, and New Orleans as his four, or it got leaked as his four non-Seattle teams. I think it's worth pointing out he said non-Seattle, but in this sunk cost scenario, he's leaving. I would like to see him in well because i'd like to see dak back in dallas i'd like to see him in new orleans and here's why i think that new orleans very clearly in their playoff game and in their playoff game a year ago has talent around drew Brees, but drew Brees has gotten to where he has trouble getting the ball more than 20 yards downfield and i think that was exemplified in this year's playoff game where you saw the only pass that 
New Orleans completed for more than 20 yards was a trick play that involved Jameis Winston throwing it, right? Like, <laughs> that's not on accident. It's that Drew, Drew Brees is having trouble. He's an older, smaller guy. You also know Sean Payton has worked with smaller guys. Russell Wilson's in that same, you know, mold. <laughs> Russell Wilson's a little more fleet of foot than Drew Brees is, certainly at 41, right? You maybe could make an argument about when they were younger, but I still think Russell No, Wilson's no, 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 no. Russ foot. is a better athlete yeah. than Drew ever was. Um, was and is. Certainly is. Probably was. And what I'm getting at here is that I think I want to see the creativity in that offense with a guy that can really run it. And I think that a guy that can really run it is a Russell Wilson. Now, that's not to say that Vegas wouldn't be fun or that Chicago wouldn't be fun. Khalil Mack on the same team as Russell Wilson. You could very easily have the MVP and defensive player of the year on the same team all of a sudden, right? Like, that could very easily happen, which is a crazy thing to think about. When I look at Deshaun... I would like for him to go to a team with a chance to win right away. I know I just said like the deal with him would be like the long haul, but I think he is, as far as his playing the field, is ready to win right away. How cool would it be to see him go play in Pittsburgh with Tomlin or Miami with Flores because the big thing he had with the issues in Houston was he wanted some diversity in their head coaching staff. They didn't bring in the guy he wanted. They did bring in David Coley, which I think was a shot, but a 70-something-year-old first-year head coach is not exactly what he was looking for. <laughs> I think I'd like to see it go to Miami because I think they've got a really fun defense, and I think they've got a lot of options. Um, you saw what they did with, you know, it's not to say that Tua won't be good, but Tua was a rookie last year who was a little bit undersized and ran into some rookie problems. You also saw what it looked like with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would say that, there's a very serious, like, Fitzpatrick ceiling is closer to Deshaun Watson's floor, and they were a fun team when Fit, when Fitzpatrick was hitting his ceiling. So I, I would like to see Miami there. There's no way you want to see him in Miami because then you've got to play him <laughs> twice a year. So what are you thinking on these guys? Of course I think the Jets for Deshaun, but I, <laughs> I do think that it makes sense as well. There's a reason. Listen, if you look at the history of the New York Jets franchise from a, a social justice standpoint, there's a reason why Deshaun Watson's looking at the coaching staff and saying, I could go there. Right. right. So he's not yeah. looking he's not looking at the ownership and saying that's where I want to go because he could stay in Houston if that was the case. So I, I like the idea of the Jets because I think the Jets the Jets get a lot of stuff wrong. You can't mess up Deshaun Watson. He's that good. I'd argue Houston has. So <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. So fans of FS Sports might wonder, why didn't Parker get fed the Houston Texans quarterback thesis? That's because we're going to talk James Harden. That's why. Um, so Parker... 
our next thesis statement. James Harden is a top three MVP candidate. Again. How do you feel about <laughs> that thesis statement? So I'm going to go A minus. Um, I'm, I'm going to set it at A minus, and I got a reason that I'm not at A plus, and it basically comes down to one reason for me. Um, I'm going to throw it back to you, Shaka, because you're much less biased on this than I am. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? It's funny. When we originally did this thesis statement, the original thesis statement was James Harden is an MVP candidate, which I would have given an A. James Harden is a top three MVP candidate again. Right now, I think I'm going to go C-. minus. Friends, I am lucky that I survived to make it to this segment. I just told Parker that James Harden is not a top three MVP candidate. I am surprised he didn't reach through the microphone and try to choke me. Um, (laughs) The thesis statement reads, James Harden is a top three MVP candidate. Again, with an exclamation point. For Parker, who went A minus. Talk to me, <laughs> Parker. I went C minus, so obviously we differ quite a bit. Well, so if I look at this season in total, I think it's worth pointing out he's currently got 25 points after last night's game against Dallas. He's got 25 points per game, 10.9 assists per game, and 7.5 rebounds per game. That's top, I think, was that top 10 in points per game and number one in assists per game. And and the backcourt players, he is in the top 10 in rebounds per game as well. Okay, Parker, Uh, so before you go too far, let me ask, are you on Basketball Reference? I am, why? Because the best part about Basketball Reference is the nicknames. This is newly discovered for me. (laughs) Because I did not realize that they had the nicknames under the names until like last week. It's hilarious. Oh, James Harden's nicknames, The Beard, which we all know, El Chapo. I didn't know that they called him El Chapo. That's definitely a Houston thing. Um, and then Jimbo Slice. Thank Jimbo you. Jimbo Slice is hilarious. Jimbo Slice, <laughs> the best nickname in basketball. We need to embrace that. Thank you. Well, I, but Jimbo Slice himself, I think it's worth pointing out, has those stats. And they actually have gone up since he got to Brooklyn. And so I think it's worth pointing out that in, in Brooklyn, he's got 11.1 assists. He's got 8.4 rebounds and just over at 25.1 points per game because he was very... Uh, we'll say not interested in playing in Houston. And in the last <laughs> week or 10 days of Houston games, he was just kind of slacking. He'd get rid of the ball at about half court and sit and watch. And I, I think that that's going to feed into why I want A minus, not A, actually. But statistically speaking, he's having a very similar season to the year that he came in second to Russell Westbrook. And the year he came in second to Russell Westbrook, everyone said, yeah, but Russell Westbrook said, history with a triple-double average on the season. I think we've since realized that, A, that might have been a silly reason to give him MVP, but B, <laughs> that that doesn't necessarily equate to winning basketball, and C, I don't think it's happening again where he's going to come in second to a guy that gets a triple-double. I think that my biggest thing on all of this, though, is that as you, it's not like he is the only guy that could finish top three, right? You have LeBron James, who they had a rough week in L.A., but has been playing like an MVP this year. Nikola Jokic, if his team would win games is in every sense of the word an MVP caliber guy this year. They just can't win enough games. And then Joel Embiid, right? He's leading the Sixers to the top Eastern Conference, and JoJo is dominant. He has an MVP-type performance, like one of those like memorable games you talk about at the end of the year with its 50-point night the other night against Chicago. My big thing about how James Harden could potentially follow the top three and why I came to an A- minus is because there seemed to have been, back when he forced his way out of Houston, right, as a guy that loves Houston but did not just drop him when he left, right? Because he brought me eight years of great, important, fun basketball to watch. Um, (laughs) I think it's worth pointing out that those people that had the same problem with his exit in Houston are going to be the people voting. And there's a human element to this that just like people might not have liked him in 20, 
15 when I think he should have beat Steph Curry for the war. The first Steph Curry, not the second Steph Curry, he absolutely should have won. Da, da, da. The first Steph Curry award, I thought that James should have won because with no other All-Star, right? Dwight missed over 40 games that season. James had them second place, whereas with two other All-Stars, the Warriors only had a couple more wins and were in first place. I, I would have given James that year, and there was this argument that, like, yeah, he's just not as fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, he gets a lot of free throws. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of this gimmicky thing. Yeah, yeah, the step back. Like, those kinds of things feed in throughout his career where voters maybe find some hole in him. This year, the hole is not hard to find. The hole is he obliterated a franchise that had given him the keys to the car. And to be fair, that's a human element that I think could pull him out of the top three. And that's really the only thing I see that would keep him out of the top three. And so I guess I sit here and look at it would come down to the people voting. And so I would initially, like he'd be top three on my ballot, even if he didn't win. But I could see how the human element would pull him out of the top three. So the reason why we talk top three is because Harden historically finishes top three in the MVP. He did it. So Parker, I know, knows this off the top of his head. Let's see if Mr. Cummings can get this right off the top of his head. I can point to at least four consecutive seasons, one of which he won the MVP, one of which he finished second. Right, his age 26, 27, 28, and 29 seasons, I believe he was top three in all of those. Now, was he top three last year as well, Mr. Ainsworth? Because I got top, four years in a row. He was top three last year, and he was top three. Or he came in second the year that Ste- the first year Steph won it. The only year he wasn't in the top three was the unanimous Steph year. Also worth pointing out, that was the year that like Dwight Howard and James Harden had their big locker room blow up, ma- barely made the playoffs. <laughs> barely made it out of that season from that blow up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so here's my thing. I obviously went significantly lower. I'm at a C minus. My my deal is this, Mr. Ainsworth. Number one, there's MVP fatigue. Like you talked about this idea of Harden specific. I don't think that it's a Harden specific argument that you get MVP fatigue. Just ask Michael Jordan and how many people he took personally winning MVPs that he felt like he should have <laughs> won, right? With that being said, there might be fatigue to vote for him in the top three yet again because it's happened so many times. And I understand that it's a new situation because he's on a new team. I still think that that fatigue factor is there. Second point, he's going to be hurt by the fact that he's on the Brooklyn Nets. I think that Kevin Durant, it's always going to be looked at as he's the best player on that team. When folks look at Brooklyn's success, they're going to want to default to Durant. The Nets are good without Harden. They might be great with him, but what's the difference between Harden and Bradley Beal? They might ask that question. You know what I mean? Any any other third piece, the Nets would be incredible. And maybe folks make that argument. I don't know. I think that that's going to come into play because the Nets are so good the third piece that i look at is again we're on basketball reference so we're looking at statistics basketball reference does an nba mvp award tracker and so they have their top 10 folks in terms of right now they have a whole algorithm that they utilize to figure this out based on previous voting results nikola Jokic is at the top and they have him at a 44 percent probability to win this thing which is stunning to me now the 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 nuggets are better they're 18 and 15 so they're starting to turn around a little bit but they still aren't where we thought they would be joel Embiid is second Giannis is third Kawhi is fourth lebron is fifth damian lillard is sixth and i would argue if you look at those top six, it's going to be hard to say Harden over any of them, which means that now he's got to fight through at least four of those folks to get to top three. The guy who isn't in the top 10 that we're going to have to consider is Kevin Durant, who's on his team. 
because the Nets are great. And people are going to look at Kevin Durant when he comes back. And if he comes back with a vengeance and he's scoring 35 a game, which is abundantly possible with Kevin Durant, then they're going to look at Durant, I think, and want to give him the credit. Incidentally, I'm not going to ignore Steph Curry here because the, the, the Warriors are 19 and 15. When did that happen? They turned things around too. And all of a sudden, he's scoring 29.9 points per game. Like you got to look at him. Even Luka Doncic, we talked about this off pod, Mr. Ainsworth. Now Dallas is actually at 500. He's scoring 20 and a half points per game. Incidentally, Mr. Ainsworth, I know you'll love the person who's at number seven on their top <laughs> MVP award tracker because it is Rudy Gobert. And <laughs> I know how much you love Rudy Gobert. I am stunned that they're looking at Rudy Gobert ahead of Donovan Mitchell in terms of who could potentially win this award. But that being said, I don't think that Rudy Gobert is a legit candidate. I don't think Paul George is either, who uh, rounds out this list at number 10. Though I think that they have guys in their own team that will steal votes, the same way that Harden has a guy who will steal votes. Denver, that's not going to be an issue. Philly, that's not going to be an issue. And even the Lakers, I don't think that's going to be an issue because Anthony Davis has missed so much time. Portland, that's not going to be an issue. Dallas, that's not going to be an issue. So I just think it's going to be hard for Harden, even as great as he's, pl- as he's playing. I think he, we should talk more about James Harden for MVP. I just don't think he's going to be able to make top three. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple things on the MVP tracker is interesting because it's a like ratio of stats and based on past voting models. But Nikola Jokic is at the top of this with an 18 and 15 record. Luka Doncic with a 16 and 16 record. And I think it's interesting that like we have one guy who's won the MVP award with his team not getting a home playoff series in the first round in Russ Westbrook. And so I think it's worth pointing out that like those teams would have to win more games for those to happen. But statistically, like I said, Jokic, if they would just win games, is got the award, right? Um, conversely, it's got Joel Embiid, whose team is winning a lot of games. The only argument I... I mean, obviously, defense player of the year is a different argument, but Rudy Gobert is getting 14 points, right? And one assist. Like, he's in this because his team is winning games. I, well, all, he, I, he is also... I mean, how he's got to be top five if he's not leading the league in rebounding. I mean, I do think that oh, Rudy Gobert and the way that Utah plays, like it could make some sense. I do think, though, that most folks will look at that team and say Donovan Mitchell more than Rudy Gobert. Well, and I think that Gobert is a different argument we're talking defense player of the year, right? Again, I think of rebounding as a defensive stat. But I, I think that's a very different argument, right? He's got 13.4 of those a game, and that's a very different stat. Um, I think if you look at it, though, like... Kawhi Leonard, you could argue, is, you know, on this tracker you're looking at right here is losing votes to Paul George. Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic could say are going to lose votes to wins and losses. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's an issue here with LeBron James voting because they've had such a rough stint without Davis, and people are noticing. Like it is a commonly discussed. Like, we're talking about the people that are voting are sports writers across the country, right? And you are noticing people on those sports talk shows in the morning talking about how important Anthony Davis is. And it's going to be really hard to get people to vote for him if they're also in the morning shows talking about how they really, really, really need Anthony Davis. Well, then how is he the MVP of the league? I think the deal here that has to happen for Harden to do this, though, is like you're saying, he can't not be this consistent guy. I'm talking about his play thus far in Brooklyn and how important he's been to them thus far in Brooklyn. When Durant comes back, when Irving comes back, he needs to be visibly just as important. And that could very well change when it comes. But even when Durant was there, Harden was leading the league in assists with over 11 a game because he was flipping the ball to Durant and Kyrie for their points, right? Like that was part of it as well. Not horribly unakin to the way Nash did it in 05 and 06, which 
is his head coach, right? Like that's that's <laughs> something that's important to point out is that Nash understands the creation that a guy like a Harden can do. Anyway, I just I look at this and think that my bigger caution against him is not necessarily that Durant steals his votes because I think a lot of these guys could have a guy steal their votes with the exception maybe being Giannis, but I think Giannis is going to have the same fatigue you mentioned earlier because he's won it twice in a row before this. The bigger thing I think to him is that if you didn't like him before as a voter, I might have said, you're crazy, you're stupid, whatever. If your problem with him is this year and like the way he forced away to Houston and you don't want to reward that behavior, I might disagree, but I can't call you crazy anymore. Right? Like, <laughs> and so I think that's an important difference when you're thinking about that these are human beings voting on this. It isn't some t- statistic ratio. It's crazy because you basically snuck the middle school lesson in there. Like if you're mad about the behavior and you want to punish the behavior, then I understand, right? Like, um... <laughs> Uh, incidentally, like if I'm looking at top three, I think that you could easily say that Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and LeBron James not only are ahead of Harden, but will stay ahead of Harden all year. And I don't think you'll get a ton of argument, which then he has to crack the top 10 on this tracker. He would have to crack that top three. And he would have to do that while Kevin Durant is on his team coming back and putting up Kevin Durant numbers. It just feels incredibly difficult to me for him to even be in the top three, let alone, like we're not even talking about trying to win this thing. Just being in the top three feels like it's going to be darn near next to impossible. Um, Especially, God, Brooklyn is so good. They're going to, they're going to say that those three guys together are just too good. And they're going to, they're going to ding Harden, which is a weird deal. (laughs) Because those guys are all so good. And that team is so good. But Steph Curry won it unanimously in 2016. Yeah, yeah, uh, keep in mind that the first year that Steph wins it, Golden State had made the playoffs one time, I believe lost in the first round, right? So there's there's that piece of it too. When Steph won it the first time, Steph was new. That was a new deal. We didn't know that Steph Curry was that level of player until that year. So there was no fatigue with Steph Curry, we didn't right. know that Clay Thompson was Clay Thompson and Draymond Green was Draymond Green coming into that year. So then it feels like we're giving it to the new guy versus Harden. We know what Harden is. We know what Durant is. We know what Irving is. There's rings and great shots and MVPs already amongst that threesome. One, well, I guess what I'm saying is not that there was no, there was or wasn't fatigue with Steph. I think there very clearly wasn't in 2015. But I am saying that that was a very talented team that he still won the MVP on, right? And and I think that that's a argument that comes in and out of the year depending on the year, right? Because the year that Russ wins it, it was like, but look, he's doing it all alone, and look at that, like those kinds of things. Whereas Kawhi Leonard comes in third that year, Harden comes in second. I was like, yeah, but like they have coach of the year this and six man of the year and Eric Gordon there and this those like okay but like come on like we're, they still lost a lot of games I, I think this track is interesting because it's always statistics based in this tracking and it's been wrong in the past and, and, I, and I think it's interesting to look at the like it's been I, wrong in years where Harden would have won it too right like years right. that you wanted Harden to win they had Harden winning and <laughs> well, then Harden and, didn't win it and I guess that's why it jumped to my mind as inaccurate from that standpoint is like Houston Rockets Twitter is very quick to point out that like 2017 this thing would have given it to Harden and in 2015 this thing would have given it to Harden and he only has one MVP to his name and it's neither one of those right and I think that Jokic though it does point out that if the Nuggets were to go on a run here and win a bunch of games in the second half of the season he clearly is the MVP right like he he's putting up statistically speaking that kind of a year 
The guy that is doing that, if we're talking about a pure winner of the award, is Joel Embiid. He is second in this statistic ratio. His team is at the top of the Eastern Conference, and it doesn't look like they're slowing down. Like Ben Simmons is starting to play more and more. He missed some games earlier in the year, and I guess they could steal votes, but really they're winning games without him. So I don't know that it would. And I, I think that the winner of the award is not going to be James Harden. I don't, I don't mean to say that. He seems to be in the top three every single year. Like This is just like where his resting place is. <laughs> Incidentally, let's talk about the second Steph year. Like, Let's not forget that he won 73 games and set the wins record. Like, That's a well, part that's of it too. Right? That is the same season, right? That is the exact same season. No, absolutely. It's not a great look. <laughs> they, fired, <laughs> they fired McHale super early into that season. Harden had finished in second in the MVP vote in the year before. Everyone's like, and Houston's like, he needs the award, he needs the award. And then the next year, it's a real bad look when he's like barely making the playoffs. All right, Mr. Cummings, we are two history teachers. And in history, you talk a lot about the world outside of sports. Uh, and so this, this thesis dives in that a little bit. We're going to look at an international superstar in one sport talking to an international superstar in another sport through the media because that's typically the best place to do that. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So this thesis references a Zlatan Ibrahimovic quote that we'll reference in a moment, I'm sure, but the thesis reads, Zlatan has a point when he intimated that athletes should not venture into politics. You hear that and you think... I think I'm going to grade this higher than you are. That's what I think. So, like, I don't know what the over-under is, but I'm taking the over. Because uh, I'm I'm <laughs> probably going to go B. Like, what oh, do you wow. say, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm down in an F. I um, figured. I figured. <laughs> like, yeah, don't flunk with us, Zlatan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Cummings. So, you went, <laughs> I'll say really high on this because I was at an F, and you went in the B range. But I, I got to say, I, I want to hear what, positive takes you could have from Zlatan's side of this okay so it's almost like we're teaching different classes right (laughs) because I'm giving out B's you're giving out F's so Zlatan Ibrahimovic international superstar in terms of soccer if you don't pay attention to soccer then you don't know who he is but he actually played in the MLS played for the LA Galaxy was incredibly impactful there and normally what happens is European soccer stars come over here after they're like too old to really play in the top leagues in Europe no Zlatan was still good enough he came over here dominated the MLS, then went back to Europe, and he's still playing really well there. So uh, Zlatan is interviewed, and I don't know if he's asked about LeBron or what, but here's his quote, okay? LeBron is phenomenal at what he's doing, but I don't like when people have some kind of status, they go and do politics at the same time. Do what you're good at. Do the category you do. I play football because I'm the best at playing football. I don't do politics. If I would be a political politician, I would do politics. That is the first mistake people do when they become famous and they become in a certain status. Stay out of it. Just do what you do best because it doesn't look good. I want to harp on some of the things that he said here. So... Is Zlatan 100% correct? No, that's I didn't give it an A. Zlatan makes some points. There are athletes who will make statements around political issues, and they're uninformed statements because they don't do the work to be informed. And I do think that's a valid criticism 
of some athletes who dive into political issues without having enough background to truly understand the nuances of all of these issues. And so when I read what Zlatan is saying, I do think that he's intimating at that point. As much as he's intimating at the point that no athlete should go into politics. I read Zlatan as saying, the energy that you have to put in to being great at sports, there's almost no way that you could put that same energy into the political side. So if you're going to put the energy into the sports, be the, be the best at that. Don't use your status in politics, especially if you aren't the most informed. Now, the part about not using your status for politics when you're not the most informed, I can get behind. I don't agree with this sentiment that just because you're an athlete, you can't have a political stance. So I disagree with that. And I do believe that there's a piece of that that Zlatan is intimating at. Almost no athlete should go into politics. And I don't believe that to be the case, right? We, in fact, see folks that are in athletics who go into actually being politicians because they become so well-informed on individual issues. They're able to take advantage of the name recognition. They're able to get into the political realm. And so there's just, there's more nuance to the discussion that I think Zlatan was able to allow for in the statement that's made. And there's some sentiment here that probably should not be ignored. Don't be the ignorant person who comes to the conversation with your perspective and then because of the stubborn nature that allows you to become an incredible athlete, you don't want to back down when someone shows you actually you came to, into this with a, a semblance of ignorance and naivete and you need to go do further research. So that's my perspective. That's why I go B. You failed it. Obviously, you disagree. And I'm pretty sure I know why you disagree. But please elaborate, Mr. Ainsworth. So I disagree on a couple things, and I'll start with where I wanted to start first. But I actually think you bring up some good points as to why I, I don't agree with him. Um, and so the I don't do politics, if I wanted to be political, a political politician, I would do politics, is what Zlatan said. And I think that it is, an as a person that has a lot of privilege, it is a, per, it is a very privileged statement to say, I am not a political person. Um, because that just means that the politics don't affect you. And quite frankly, that is a place that not everyone gets to speak from. And so I think that that is the part of it that jumped out to me as like, who the bleep are you to sit here and be <laughs> like, I don't have to worry about politics. Like not everyone gets to do that part. And so that that was the part that jumped out to me as like, what is wrong with you? The other thing I'll say too is that, you know, LeBron James' response when he said, you shouldn't go at me, I do my homework. He also did target this at LeBron. And I think that what's interesting is you don't have to love LeBron. I'm not going to sit here in this podcast and say everyone should. I don't really get not doing it, but I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone should. <laughs> I'm also not going to sit here and say that he has never made, you know, mistakes in PR with things like the decision. Or, or I will say that his biggest stances outside of basketball tend to be things that he puts people around him and does things well. And he does things well like his I Promise School, which is what he cited in his response. And to say that someone can only do one thing, as Zlatan is intimating here, like if you do sports, you should just do sports, I think is categorically against frankly, the way I teach, the way I'm involved with people, and the way I think anyone should be, right? We are two teachers sitting here talking about sports because we have 
multiple aspects to our personality. Now, people might think that's a disorder for me, but that's not quite <laughs> what I'm going down, is that I think that people can be more complex than Zlatan is intimating here, and I don't appreciate him implying that you cannot be more complex if you're an athlete, because we've seen throughout the history of this country, well before LeBron was born, much less since he's been in the NBA, that that is definitively not the case. And I think that's where I'm really, really drawing a stance on is like, man, I don't want people that just go hoop and go home. That is so boring. I, I don't want that in sports. And I don't, frankly, want politicians that go to the office and then go home. I want people that are also human beings on that part of my world, right? And so I think that that's another, the other big side of this that I disagree with. It's not just this idea that he sits here as apolitical, whatever that may mean for him, but also that that's not what I want either group of these people to be. I actually don't think you mean the thing that you said. I think you do want people who are uninformed, ignorant, not necessarily willing to do the work to be one-sided. Like, I, I honestly believe that. I don't think that you would say if you felt that someone was uninformed speaking out on politics that you'd be like, oh, that's cool because that's just another side of his personality. I think that you would want that person to be quiet. Am I challenging you, Mr. Ainsworth, in a way that would make you rethink the statement that you just made? I wouldn't, it's not that I would want them to be quiet. It's that I want them to go put the work in. And I think that that is a part of what these, if I'm looking at American historic athletes involved in the political realm, have done. And, and I don't think that that is necessarily disjointed. I think you're right. I, generally speaking, I want, don't want anyone who is not like actually going to put in work and being good at something to do that thing. But I also don't think it's like you can only put work into doing being good at one thing. I think that that gets proven time and time again to not be right. No, and I think that I could 100% get behind that sentiment. And I, I, I do believe that that was a part of what Zlatan was intimating. Like I, when I read him say, I'm good at football, so I do football. Like I genuinely think that the sentiment there is, I've put the work in here and I don't know that everyone can put the work in here to be at this level and put the work in in these other places to be good, which I think that we could come to some semblance of an agreement on that piece of it. We don't want folks who aren't willing to put the work in to then try to utilize a platform out of ignorance of the, the, the whole global situations that might exist in individual places, right? Which is one of the things that's unique about LeBron. It's not that LeBron, LeBron has a lot of his interests that are tied to Akron, where he grew up. Now he does have global interests and he obviously from a social justice perspective has countrywide interests. But if you see where a lot of his direct activism is focused, a lot of it is focused on Akron. Because that's where he grew up. He knows that world incredibly well. He's not ignorant to what's happening there, right? And so if you are able to, to be as informed as LeBron is on, on situations in your hometown, and you have this platform, and you have those resources, use them. I, I also, I think that there's a piece of this that we don't have the information in terms of what Zlatan was actually asked. So I don't feel comfortable saying Zlatan went after LeBron James. If someone asked Zlatan about how he feels about LeBron James and his athletic status and his ability to 
also take that status and work on these social justice issues, then Zlatan's asking the question that was asked of him. Now, if that piece wasn't a part of the original question, then maybe he is going at LeBron a little bit. It feels like he's going after him. But I guess I, I feel uncomfortable until I know what the question was that was asked of him. Especially it, because Zlatan, it's obvious when you look at the grammatical pieces that he's responding in English. English is not his native language. He does mention LeBron in the piece, though. Like, I get that. Yes, but we if don't the, question the question asks him right. about LeBron, then it makes sense that he mentions LeBron, right? Fair. And while the question is not in English, I don't have. I don't believe I hear LeBron's na name in it. Um, I will say that he does mention LeBron by name. And so when I say go at LeBron, it's because in these quotes, both the audio and the reading the transcript, LeBron's name is in them. That's why I say that. Not because like maybe the reporter did too. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, whatever, and I guess but... that's that's all that I'm saying. Like, I want to know who said LeBron's name first. Because if the reporter says LeBron's name first, Zlatan is not going at LeBron. He's answering the question. <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of F in sports. And sports, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got spring training coming <laughs> up. We got a huge UFC weekend that's coming up. Uh, make sure that you guys are checking us out on our socials because we are going back and forth with folks. Mr. Ainsworth, do you want to let folks know about your socials so they can get in contact with you, sir? Yeah, you can find me personally at Painsworth 512 That's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter and Instagram. I also work with the Midweek Midrange show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Midweek Midrange. It's an all basketball, all the time show. It comes out on Wednesday nights. We also have a show Twitter for this show called FN Sports 2 on Twitter. That's at F I N S B O R T S, the number two, all one word. I'll use dash PA, Shaku's dash CC. We use that to get out a lot of both our thoughts and share our friends' thoughts. And Mr. Cummings, we also have an Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. Belly up sports. We got a lot of props from Canada recently. You guys need to be checking out the belly up catalog. Check out Hardcore Honeys. Check out No Credentials Required. Check out the sports stove. We were recently on that one, so make sure you check that one out for <laughs> sure. Check out the whole catalog because Belly Up is killing it. And when you do that, just like you can do for our podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all the wonderful things to help out all of our podcasts and streams. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. 
bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.